بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد My dear respected friends I'm going to be dealing with a topic today which is probably hardly ever covered independently but I think it's important because it's something that characterizes a human being positively or negatively What I want to speak about today is uh, miserliness or stinginess Miserliness and stinginess has got to do with so many things related to us. Uh, sadaqah, mutual assistance, friendship, companionship, gifting, giving our time, charity, all of that is related to this topic. And unfortunately this topic isn't covered indeed. We talk about fundraising, we talk about virtue of charity, but Miserliness and stinginess is actually the disease. It's haram to have miserliness. It's haram to have stinginess. Just like it's haram to lie and to miss a prayer, it's actually haram to be stingy. It's one of the traits of the heart that uh, are very serious and critical. So firstly, we're going to try to define it first. What is miserliness? So we're all on the same page. What is miserliness? What is stinginess? And then inshallah we'll focus on trying to find a cure for it from our Quran. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَن يُوقَ شُحَّ نَفْسِهِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ Those who have been given or protected from niggardliness, who have been protected from this uh, greed of the the heart, the greed of the soul, of the body, of the person, shuh, then such people are truly the successful ones. In Arabic, the word uh, for bukhl, uh, the, the word for miserliness is bukhl or taqtir, taqtir or bukhl, two words we got. It's a trait which is embedded in the soul. And its function is to hold a person from giving, giving his wealth or time or whatever in situations where spending is either necessary, either based on Sharia law it's necessary, or due to ethics of the society or chivalry or good social companionship. So let me define that again. This is what you call miserliness. Miserliness is that trait, a characteristic in the soul, which stops a person from spending, and with, which basically makes a person withhold their time, effort, wealth, and to spend it from spending it in where it's necessary to spend it. Now there's two places where it's necessary to spend wealth. Either because the Sharia tells us to spend it, like for example, sadaqah zakat, right? Or when common decency tells us to spend. 
For example, neighbors constantly giving us something, they're sending samosa, pakore every day, and you're just enjoying them, and there's no reciprocation. Right. Why not? Why is there no reciprocation? Right. That's something to decide. What is it based on? That's due to common decency, you know, common chivalry. Oh, it's like uh, the example, a simple example. Um, you're always going out with your friends to eat, and they're always paying, and you seem to go to the toilet to wash your hands when the time comes to pay. You don't even pretend to pay. You don't even pull out your wallet to say, "Let me pay, let me pay." You're just not even there. Maybe once it's okay, or twice it's okay, but every time you are somewhere else when it comes time to pay. So when a discussion of money comes, then you slip out somewhere. To be honest, you know when it comes to feeding people, when you understand the virtues of feeding people, I mean, I would say that natu- by nature I am maybe a bit stingy, but when I learnt of the virtues of spending, especially to feed somebody, then you want to go and make sure that your money is the one that's used to feed people. It's a big difference. There's a big virtue in spending, in feeding somebody. So it's one of the greatest sadaqah is that you feed a hungry soul, a hungry liver. Okay, now to move on. The most severe type of miserliness. There's a severe type and then of course there's lighter types. But the most severe type of miserliness is when a person holds back from spending even on themselves. They're, it's not they don't have any money, they're just stocking up the money. They're watching the bank balance grow but they... They, they don't spend even on having decent clothing. It, they don't, they, they, it's not like they're trying to have clothing like Umar who didn't have money, who refused to have money and who had patches on his clothes. This is just done out of stinginess. They want to die with a good bank, a big bank balance. There's people like that, you'd be surprised. They're not willing to spend. And then they will die and everybody will use that money. That's the worst kind, where you can't even spend on your own self. This, the person needs medicine, he's unwilling to get medicine, unwilling to get treatment because you have to pay for it. Now I know generally treatment in this country is uh, free, but in many countries around the world you have to pay. pay. He's not willing, he's not willing to go. And he's not talking about a light cold, he's not willing to go to a doctor's for. No, there's a serious problem, he's unwilling. That's the worst. This is termed shuh, like extreme greed of the heart, extreme miserliness. That's why Allah says that whoever is protected from the niggardliness of his soul, then he is the one who is truly successful. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, Let not those who prove stingy with what Allah grants them from his bounty reckon that such behavior is good for them. بَلْ هُوَ شَرٌ لَهُمْ Nay, rather it is bad for them. So He says, The evil consequence of their stinginess shall be cast firmly upon them as chains around their necks on resurrection day. So don't think that it's good for you to withhold money. Let the pipeline clean itself. When you open up, and you start spending, the pipeline gets cleaned. Allah will always... I mean, tell me, is there 
anybody who's spent on someone, who's invited somebody over for food, who's fed somebody in a restaurant, whatever, and then felt bad about it. This is really strange, but research shows that by spending, you get happy. Spending gives you satisfaction. Giving gives you satisfaction more than taking. It's amazing. It, they, this is research that shows that. There's a book we're publishing soon. It's called uh, A Thinking Person's Guide to Happiness by Prince Ghazi. He argues the same thing in there. He makes a distinction between joy, happiness, um, and a number of other feelings. And he shows how happiness is linked to giving. And giving, anybody who continuously gives, then in the hereafter he will be given. As Allah says, and A continuous giving Allah will give you in the hereafter. But that's if you've been continually giving in this world. Whether that be with your wealth or your time or your effort. And helping others. To go back to our discussion. It is narrated on the authority of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu an. It's in Sunan al-Tirmidhi. That the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said the following people will not enter paradise. Right? The following people. A treacherous person. Right? Somebody who's always treacherous, you can't trust them. Number two, a miser, the stingy one. Why do you think a miser won't enter paradise? Not because he's just not because he's got the trait of miserliness, but because he hasn't rectified it, he hasn't cured it. And thus it stopped him from paying where he's supposed to pay. It's made him withhold his zakat, withhold charity. There were people dying around him and he did not, he was not concerned. So people are born miserly, some people. This is God-given. This is a trait from God that some people are just miserly. Some families are known to be miserly. Right? Some tribes are known to be miserly. Right? And some qawms are known to be very generous. <coughs> I've seen in some people, they're just extremely generous and you see the father, he's very generous as well. But sometimes you'll have it where the father is very miserly and the son is very generous. It's a natural thing that is placed in the heart. That some people are just very generous, some people are a bit tight or miserly. But what is important for everybody is to work on it. For the very generous not to be swindled and not to spend in the wrong and not to be misled. And for those who are miserly to open up their hearts. And to spend and go against that. That's the challenge. That's the individual challenge. And everybody knows about themselves. How easy it is when we walk out of the masjid and there's somebody collecting money. Can you easily put in your hand in your pocket and pull out a 10 pound and just give it in? Thinking, Allah's going to give it back to me. I know it's 10 pound, but Allah is going to give it back to me. He's going to give me a lot back. The complex here is that if I'm miserly, I'm not going to spend. I can never see the benefits of spending them. I will never see that money coming back because I don't spend. I'm too frightened to spend. But believe me, if you put a hand on your heart and you spend, you will see that money coming back. You'll see the barakah of it. That will encourage you from spending. But you're going to have to take that on belief. You're going to have to take that from other people's experiences that that's the case. Otherwise, you will never spend because you're just never going to see the benefit of it coming back to you. But this is what the Sharia tells us to do. Take that risk for the sake of Allah. Because He knows it's not a risk. It's only a risk in our mind. 
So the first person who's not going to enter paradise is the treacherous person because his actions are going to eventually lead him to be deprived. Likewise, a miser and number three, the one who gives and then reminds people about their favors, about his favor. Remember I did that for you, you're not helping me now. I went out of my way to do that. I mean, sometimes you do. If there's a, the person opposite who you've done something good for and they just don't, they're not grateful. Sometimes you do have to remind those kind of people for their benefit. Not for your sake. But if you're trying to take undue benefit from helping somebody, which you should have done for Allah, then that is what the person is who does man. In Arabic it's called man, to remind somebody of a favor. Favors should be done for Allah and then you should forget about them. Whether that person gives you back or not, Allah will give you. Numerous verses and ahadith regarding the blameworthiness of miserliness right, have been transmitted from the Prophet ﷺ and from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why the Prophet ﷺ says in another hadith, I'll just mention a few of the hadiths, there's another hadith from Tirmidhi, that there's two vices, two evil traits that can never be combined together in a believer. You can't have a believer who has two bad, these particular two bad traits. One is miserliness, number two is an ill-mannered disposition. Bad akhlaq and miserliness. A person who's a believer can't have both of these. He might have one of these, but he cannot have both of these things. If he does, that means his iman is in severe doubt. That a person is ill-mannered, bad akhlaq and miserliness on top of it. You know, there's some people who are very bad manners, but they're very generous. It kind of helps tolerate them. But to be bad-mannered and miserly, Ya Allah... That a believer can't have. It's, that's what he's saying. It's not to say the person is not a believer anymore, but he's saying that that is not a believer. That's not what a believer should be like. The Prophet also said in another hadith by Abu Dawud, the most despicable traits a man can possess, worst characteristics are restless niggardliness. Um, basically, miserliness and a person is restless. Always in haste and he's also miserly. And number two, debilitating cowardice. Very extreme level of cowardliness. Not willing to take a brave step at all. Restless niggardliness, meaning miserliness, that makes one so avid for his wealth or time or energy that he becomes restless and uneasy at the mere prospect of giving any of that away or using those things on others. So if somebody asks you, you're like a fish out of water. You don't even like to be asked. You may even break your relationship with that person for asking you for a donation. The state of such a person is so negative that Bishr ibn al-Harith al-Hafi, one of our great... Um, Ascetics of the past, he commented that just looking at a miser will harden the heart. Like they, they, they are very bad influence, miserly people. Now we're going to break it down a bit and we're going to say whether miserliness is haram or makruh, right? We're going to give you the exact rulings. The, 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 the sheikh is going to give the exact rulings of whether miserliness is haram or just makruh or otherwise. He says that if the miserliness entails contravening the sacred law, then it is haram. How would that be? 
withholding zakat, for example. You're, you're contravening the law of zakat. Zakat is wajib, fard. Then that's haram. If it goes against contravening common decency and chivalry, then it is makrut and zihi. Makrut and zihi, but you're going to put a lot of people off. That guy's a miser. So whoever fulfills the requisites of the sacred law and the requisites of chivalry, so you give zakat and you give sadaqah and you spend where you have to spend with your neighbors and friends and family. Right? Everybody gives your children edi, but you don't give to anybody. Because you say it's a bid'ah. It's a justification. But you take it. Now if it's a bid'ah, please nobody give my children edi because it's a bid'ah. It's not a bid'ah. I mean, unless you, unless you think it's obligatory, then it could be a bid'ah. Right? Because it's not necessary. It's nice. That's what people do it for. So you take, but you don't give. When it was your wedding, everybody gave you. You raised 5,000 pounds. Because everybody gave you a wedding gift. When you go to weddings, you don't give anybody a gift. Because you think it's not necessary. But you took everybody else's. It's a really fine line between those. The point is, correct your intention when you do it. Do something good for them. Give mutually, give gifts to one another, and it will create mutual love. The wording that Allah's Messenger uses, which means mutually give gifts. So if I keep receiving gifts, then I should give back. Because that's what the Prophet is saying. He isn't saying just give it. He's saying, if you take it, then give it as well. It has to be a mutual thing. That's how societies work. This is basically a building block of society. How we learn from one another and develop relationships. Anybody who fulfills the requisites of sacred law and the requisites of chivalry, meaning he spends where he's supposed to, the, suitable to their situation, I mean how much you spend it depends on the situation, then that person has absolved themselves of miserliness. Requisites of the sacred law, he's going to go into detail now, requisites of the sacred law include zakat, sadaqatul fitr, which are necessary. And then they also... Um, there's also other parts where Sharia tells you to spend. Husband spending on a wife. Parents spending on children. And if the p- parents are debilitated and the children who are working spending on their parents. Right? That's all part of generosity. A community organizing, organization spending on community efforts that are necessary. That's also part of this. There are masjids sitting on thousands, hundreds of thousands, massive portfolios and assets, and they can't spend. In fact, their idea is that um, we worked very hard to make this money. We must protect it. I tell them that it's haram for you to keep that money in your store, in your balance. That money is people's money to do the work of Allah with, not to store it. Not to just buy extra properties and generate more income. You're not a business. You're a charity. You're not a bank. To Banks are who are supposed to hold money for people. But they use your money and they make more money for themselves. This is what some masajid are doing. Some community organ have got a lot of money, but they're not willing to do... They just have the... Okay, they have good toilets and, you know, they, 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 they have a warm place. But that's it. They don't do anything more. They don't know how to do it. And because of that, they just hold on to the money. And they don't understand that this money, if you spend it on people, 
on for the sake of Allah, Allah will give you when you need it. So people don't get that. And there's other masajid who are struggling but doing so much great work. They don't have any money and they just about manage. But Allah provides them. Requisites, uh, so we mentioned that. Requisites of chivalry now. Requisites of common decency that include voluntary charity and gifts to relatives, neighbors and friends. That's all part of common decency to give gifts to neighbors, friends and so on. What is the opposite of miserliness then? To give a good understanding of miserliness, you have to look at the opposite. The opposite is called Jud or Sakha. In Arabic, these are the two terms, Jud and Sakha, which means generosity. How do you define generosity now? This is a trait of the self that leads one to spend wealth above and beyond what is mandatory for the sake of being rewarded or to attain the merit of being generous or for the sake of purifying the soul from the vice of miserliness, not for any other motive. You're not doing it to be called good. You're not doing it so they will give you back. You're doing it for one of three things. This is what you call Jude. It's spending beyond what's necessary. If I have to give zakat then I spend that, I'm not, I'm not being generous. I'm being generous if I give voluntary charity. Right? If I have to spend on my wife, that's not generosity. That's just normal spending. If I have to spend on my children and their school clothing and everything, and their basic food of the house, that's not generosity. Generosity when I go above that. But what should my, be my intention? Spending above what is mandatory to get thawab, reward, number one. Number two, for a person to receive the virtue of being virtuous. You know, it says all of the, all of the blessings and virtues that are mentioned in the Quran and hadith about people who spend, you want to attain that. You're not focused on reward, you just want to be, I want to be one of those people. That's number two. And number three, you're doing it as a cure for your uh, miserliness. So you force yourself to spend because you feel your tithes. These are the three good ways of spending. This is what you call jud and sakha or generosity. But in all of this, you have to av- avoid wastefulness. There's people who will buy their children anything and then their children stand on their head because they just keep giving, giving, giving. They, don't, they think that's good, that's not good. Yeah, everything has to be moderated. In Sharia, everything is moderated. The highest level of generosity then. We talked about the worst level of niggardliness. Now the highest level of generosity is to prefer others over oneself. Which is mentioned in the Quran, يُؤْثِرُونَ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ بِهِمْ One is that I've got something and... Uh, I've got enough for myself and I give, ex- I give to you as well. So we both have. The other one is, I only have enough to give you or me and I give you. That's the highest level of generosity. Only the very few will be able to do that one. That's what you call ithar. Namely to spend wealth despite needing it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they prefer others over themselves even, though, even if they themselves are in need. It is narrated on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha that the Prophet sallallahu said, the wali, the friend of Allah, is not inclined towards anything except generosity and a pleasant personality. Total opposite of the other hadith. This is related by Abu Shaykh. The wali of Allah, you can tell that he's going to be generous and he's going to have very good character. 
That's what you call a true believer and a friend of Allah. Allah loves people who give to others. What is the cure for miserliness, by the way? Now he tells us the cure for miserliness. The cure for miserliness is a lot of reflection on the narrations, the hadith, that have come regarding its blameworthiness. Think of all of those ahadith that tell, and the Quran verses, which tell you how bad it is to be a miser. In fact, Al-Jahid, one of the great literature scholars of the past, he wrote a book called Kitab al-Bukhala, the book of the misers. He's got all the stories of misers and what happened to them because of their miserliness. Somebody's got a problem, they should read that book. In fact, it'd be useful for all of us to benefit from that. So, to look at the verses and the ayah, the hadith, that tell about the blameworthiness of miserliness, and that mention the praiseworthiness of generosity. And to think about the immense punishment that Allah has threatened for miserliness. Do I want that punishment? No. So to keep reading that and reflecting over that, that will help to ease that constraint in the heart. It will help to open up the heart and open up the hands as well. For indeed, other beneficial treatments include reflection on the state of misers. I mean, everybody must know a miser. Like I'm sure everybody can think about, unfortunately, everybody can probably think about somebody they know who's a bit of a miser. Now, doesn't that put you off? If that puts you off, then if we're a miser as well, then shouldn't that put others off as well? So he's saying that um, reflect over the state of misers and your natural disregard for them, even if you're a miser yourself. You will hate other misers. Even though you're a miser yourself, you'll hate other misers because there's a natural disregard human beings have. Nobody loves misers. And their own distaste for miserliness. For indeed, there is no miser except that he himself hates miserliness in others and finds companionship with some people to be burdensome. You don't want to go around with them. No, he doesn't spend. I have to always spend. And if you're a miser, you'll never go out with somebody like that because there's going to be a competition of who doesn't spend. That is what you call, that is the cure for it. To focus and reflect over that and how bad it is. And then, just a few more points. Um, preference for others, ethar, going back to that point. It applies to all the blessings and not solely wealth. Right? Shaqiq al-Balkhi once asked Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq about futuwa. This is, ethar is like futuwa in Arabic. Right? Which is called spiritual chivalry. He said that, um, what do you think if a person has futuwa? spiritual chivalry what should that entail what should that do to a person so Shaqiq said that if we are given blessings we are grateful and if blessings are held back we prove patient so if we've got blessings if Allah gives us blessings then we're thankful for it and if we don't have blessings and we're a bit in a, in a, uh, in a tough situation we're patient that is what futuwa, he tried to define futuwa as that. So Ja'far al-Sadiq, rahimahullah, he said, that is how the, our dogs in Medina are. How can you call that futuwa? Because the dogs, if they get something, they're very, they'll be very grateful to their master. And if they don't get, they're just patient. 
That's how dogs are. That's a natural trait in dogs. He said, the dogs in Medina Munawwara are like that. So how can you say that's the definition here? And then he said, so Shaqiq asked, O oh, grandson of Allah's messenger, because remember Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq is the grandson of Ali radiallahu anh, right? He's in his progeny. He says, O oh, grandson of Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa what then is spiritual chivalry according to you? How do you define it? So he replied that if we are given blessings, we're not only grateful, but we prefer others over us. We prefer others over us. And if blessings are held back, then we're still grateful. We don't just tolerate, but we're still grateful for the other times we have it. That's a higher level. May Allah give us this. Bishar al-Arhafi, Bishar ibn al-Harith al-Hafi was once seen on a freezing day shivering and without his winter coat or whatever he, they used to wear in those days. He was asked, oh Abu Nasr, people search for warm clothes on such a day, you take yours off? Like why aren't you wearing a coat on this day? He replied, I thought of the indigent, I thought of the poor people and what they are going through and I did not have enough wealth to provide warm clothing to them. I don't have enough money to give them. So I wanted to be with them in solidarity as they experience a bitter winter. I want to experience the same, so at least they feel like somebody else is experiencing the same thing with them. And this is Rasulullah Millions were coming through his hands. But he, re he preferred to remain a poor person. Only eating dates and water for, many, for long periods of time. So that even the poorest person in Medina Munawwara could relate to him. That this is my prophet, I don't have, he doesn't have either. That's what you call the characteristic of a true leader. May Allah make us, give us those things. In fact, what's mentioned is that, you know when you give to others, you're going to get the barakah back. Allah is going to repay you. Allah is going to repay you. When you give to others, especially if you need yourself and you give to others, Allah is going to give you many fold in return. But again, it's just one of those complexes. If we could experience it, everybody would give. Oh, I'm going to get back anyway. Let me give it. Right? That's how, you know, these scam artists, this is how they do it. They say, this is a wonderful investment opportunity. And... You give a bit of money, £100 first, and within two weeks he gives you a return. So then you give him £500, because now you're going to get greedy. I've got a return, it's proven now. So for a few cycles, they give you returns. And then when you, and this has happened, I mean I can give you three examples in my mind right now of people who have done the same thing. And you just wait for about six months, and huge amount of investment will be made with this person now because everybody's saying, man, he's giving me 10% return in two months. You know, the average is 5% return is a good 10% in two months, not 5% a year. You know, yeah, let me put money in there as well. I'm going to put all my savings in there. And then the guy goes, disappears. I know three cases like this. Right, but there you actually see it. That's why you, you pay, you put the money in. Allah tells us and His word should be as good as anything and He's never going to swindle us. مَنْ يُقْرِضُ اللَّهَ قَرْضًا حَسَنًا فَيُضَاعِفَهُ أَضْعَافًا كَثِيرًا And um, 
true prophetic generosity, you know, how was the generosity of the Prophet ﷺ, it is not limited to money but extends to one time, one's time, energy and even attention. This is called generosity of the soul. There's a lot of people out there who have no time and they'll say, you know what, just take this money. Right? They don't have the time. If you listen to a lot of these guys that tell us, even non-Muslim um, efficiency trainers that tell you how to be the, get a most productive CEO of a company, Simon Sinek, right? Saying that what really matters is not that you send somebody a gift, but it's that you give them a call. It's not that you send somebody a text message or a, I, you know, when Ramadan began, I got ton of WhatsApp pictures. I ignored every single one of them. I didn't respond to a single one. Those are just broadcasts. I don't care about them. It's a touch of a button. I don't care about that. I didn't respond to a single one of those. But if somebody sent me a written message that I saw was not a cookie cut generic message, then I responded to them. Because that's just, what is that? What are you doing? Is it become just the press of a button and you send this nice little video out? Right, that says Eid Mubarak at the end or Ramadan Mubarak at the end. You're filling the inbox up. Send a personal message, that's going to make a difference. I just sent some messages, a voice recording, not even a typed. I, I, I voice recorded message and sent them to two people in another country. Because when I went to that country, they'd hosted me. And we haven't had any communication for one and a half years. And I could see they had really, really appreciated it. You know, for somebody to remember somebody and then not just write a few words or whatever, to actually go and record a voice message, make it as personal as possible. I think that's what makes the difference. So yes, if you send me forwards for Ramadan Mubarak, well, don't. Because I just think it's a waste of time. I don't see any, I mean, you may be genuine, Allah will reward you for that, but for me, I just think it's too easy, man. Right? Maybe that's just my problem, but... Think, something to think about. Abu Sa'id al-Kharraz, he notes that it is not in the nature of a believer to say no. That is when being requested for something. I mean, a believer would never say no. I mean, that's not generally how believers should be when they've got so much trust in Allah and so on, right? And then Sheikh Mustafa al-Arusi, he explains that this pertains to the believer with perfected faith. Since that is the way of Rasulullah to never say no. So Imam Zakari al-Ansari, he says that the predominant nature of a believer is that they will never say no. And the reason is that when somebody asks for something, immediately their focus goes on Allah. That Allah gives me all of this. This is all given to me by Allah. Why can't I give? Whereas a person who is miser and doesn't connect himself to Allah, then he says, this is mine. How can I give you? We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to open up our hearts. This was not a fundraising talk. I don't think you got a fundraising project, but it would be a nice time to actually start collecting money, I think. Right? Because, I mean, that's, that was our discussion. But um, I, I would just say that, look, if we've got a... Because I'm telling you from experience, what helps is, is, is just to give a huge amount. That is the best cure for miserliness. If you're used to giving five pounds, give 20 pounds. Once or twice, and you'll find that you will not miss that 20 pounds. You will not miss it. 
and just make it that every day there's a mashallah people come to collect money every day I think nearly after every prayer so at least make it a habit you know set some money aside put it in your wallet or whatever and every day you know give the 10 pounds you know it's only going to be what 10 pounds a day is going to be 300 pounds in the year you know in for your month that's not much money if you've got that kind of money it's not and everybody knows if they've got the money or not spending in Ramadan if it's sadaqah you're going to get the reward of a zakat if you give zakat, you're going to get 70 times a reward. It's just a no-brainer, isn't it? And then the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to give you back, and, he's, and then psychologically, you're going to be satisfied because you've helped somebody. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to relieve our miserliness, because the Prophet ﷺ, it says in the hadith in Shamail, that the most, most generous that he was, he was very generous, but even more generous in Ramadan, because he used to meet with Jibreel ﷺ, they used to read the Qur'an to each other used to be even so when a Quran is being recited in Taraweeh and so on then that should make us even more generous wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma anta salamu minka salam tabarakti adal jalali wal ikram Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghif Allahumma ya hannanu ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna min al-zalimeen Oh Allah we ask you for your full mercy Oh Allah your mercy is and forgiveness is is showering down during this month of Ramadan. Oh Allah, we ask that you drench us in this. Oh Allah, that you do not deprive us of this. Oh Allah, we want a full share of your mercy and your forgiveness. Oh Allah, do not make us of those who can't see your blessings and who thus do not do anything. Oh Allah, grant us conviction and iman to such a degree that we're willing to do whatever it takes for you. Oh Allah, grant us love for your obedience and hatred for your disobedience. O oh Allah, open up our hearts to expend and to spend for whatever is good for your cause. O oh Allah, allow us to fulfill our rights both to the Sharia and to our whoever is owed rights by us. O oh Allah, if we have anything outstanding, if we have any debts to pay, O oh Allah, we ask that you help us to repay them. O oh Allah, protect us from debilitating debts and from anything that overcomes us in this nature. O oh Allah, we ask for you for ease in this world, but especially ease in the hereafter. Make us of those who are considered generous. Remove the characteristic of bukhl from our hearts, of miserliness from our hearts and from our families. O oh Allah, we ask that you grant us the ability to do as many good deeds as possible in all forms in which they exist. O oh Allah, bless all of us during this month of Ramadan. Make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. And O oh Allah, grant us more closeness to you than we've ever been before. But O oh Allah, above all, keep us close to you and do not let us drop back to where we were before the month had started. O oh Allah, accept our deeds and send your abundant blessings on our Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.